Let's go look at this concept of discovering your treasures. Would you say that discovering your treasures in God's Word? Go ahead and preach it to somebody. We're going to discover your treasures. Now tell them, I'm going to discover my treasures. I'm going to discover my treasures. We want to look at who you are in Christ, who you are to Father God. This is what you discover. These are some of the treasures. How many of you know when you first, when, before you come to know Jesus, you don't know who you are to him. All you know is the spirit of the family you grew up in. It could have been all kinds of bad. And that's where your self-image came from. But when you come into the kingdom, you find out who you are to, to Christ. You find out who you are to Father God. And you, you discover God's cherished love for you. You discover God's precious purpose for you. I had no idea that my life would end up here now and I would be able to, every single bit of broken garbage, damaged goods, broken pieces, everything in my life is all used for the kingdom's glory now. That's amazing. Everything. He redeems every one of your struggles for his glory and life-giving plan. I want you to get the most out of your relationship with God and, your, and especially now, so say, getting your, most out of your relationship with his precious word. Let me grab my Bible here. Um, we, I use so much electronic stuff now, but I thought it was for visual effect. <laughs> and I read this. This is my English Standard Version. I love this Bible. Love this. I love this Bible. And uh, today, too many people are falling away from the Lord. And uh, I want to just say their, their eternity hangs in the... In, is in question. There's too much of this idea of um, God will bless me no matter how I live. Deception. That's a massive deception. And uh, Jesus is coming back for a devoted and chaste bride, not a harlot whoring with the world. In all love, he's not coming back for a harlot. The Bible reveals that God has an intense hatred for all forms of idolatry. Idolatry is the act or pattern of putting anything in the place of the true and living God. That's why so many people labor under curses because they end up, I didn't really mean it when I went to the fortune teller, but whatever got on you because you paid for it and demons went home. So the word of God is so special to us. There are some things, though, that you'll never understand. I know I won't. There's plenty revealed to us to become all that God intended. In Deuteronomy 29, 29, it says the secret things belong to the Lord. So there are things that are going to be his. And that's not our domain. I got it? What is our domain is what's revealed. And it says, but the things that are revealed belong to us. Everybody say, hallelujah. And they belong in your household. They belong to your children forever. And they belong uh, that we may do all the words of this law. There's a, a, a power begetting uh, life in this word. It's the Holy Spirit. So one of our secrets, one of the secrets that's been revealed that came to pass uh, on the earth is this reality that was hidden. It was hidden for a long time. And, and it was always sprinkled and there was revelation. But suddenly Jesus shows up as born of a virgin and then he ends up 
being crucified and buried, and then he rises from the grave, he ascends into heaven, he releases the power of the Holy Spirit on the earth, and he forms this, the, the beginnings of this beautiful bride of Christ that'll be his. This, that was a hidden secret that's now been revealed. And we are his. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I was telling the guys this morning, that we were talking, and I, said, I think some of this stuff about, you know how the Lord will give you an idea of who you are, and most of us, because we're so full of ourselves, that the Lord will tell you like your calling. He'll, like when you're a baby Christian, he'll give you, like he'll tell you, you know, something, some big thing you're going to do. And then, of course, in your, <laughs> you figure you're going to go do it. <laughs> yeah, no, you're going to die for about 25 to 50 years until he can do it through you. Everybody say, yeah, that's how it works. That's really how it works. <laughs> oh my God. I got this big long verse up here, but I'll, I'll read it, but it's just crammed in there. Is that funny? Ephesians, this is a New Living Translation. Now this is Paul talking about this secret revealed. It says, by God's grace and mighty power, I've been given, this out of the New Living Translation. By God's grace and mighty power, I've been given the privilege of serving him by spreading the good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan uh, that God, the creator of all things, everybody say, had kept secret. See, the, the gospel had been kept secret in, uh, from the beginning. Now, this is a cool thing. This is amazing because... This, I actually experienced this. God's purpose in all this was to choose, to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Now, the other version says the manifold wisdom of God would be uh, displayed or shown forth from the church, manifested by the church to the principalities and powers of the earth. In other words, there's a realm, a spiritual realm, where some big spooks live. They're fallen, not just the demons we deal with that come and try to infest the human soul, but some other rulers and things. And there is a capacity when you're assigned to it and anointed for it to pray. And God will come and break through a hindrance in the realm of the spirit and release people from a darkness of a bondage of an adversary of a spiritual adversary in a region it's a phenomenal thing and we want to contend that there'll come a greater work of the blood of the lamb and the glory of god in this region so that the veils come off people i've been claiming that god would save every single person in north central west virginia for years that nobody go to hell from this place I just believe that God has more. And now he's declaring to us there's coming a miracle dimension among us. I want to go ahead and tell you this other little verse I just love. Jump to the next one. Revelation 2.17 says, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will give him a white stone. With a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. This is how precious you are to God. 
I thought those little names were like husband and wife things. I got a little name. But God has a special name that he's endeared to you. And he knows the struggles that you've gone through. How many of you are looking forward to hear that sweet name that Jesus will say to you, Isn't the Bible, this is an amazing treasure. So let's go ahead and pray this prayer I got up here. Next slide. Say this for me. Father God, in Jesus' name, I thank you for revealing to me all that I am to you. Thank you for loving me completely. I choose fully to open my eye, my heart, my eyes, my ears, and life to you. I turn from the ways of this present world to walk with you fully. I need your help and a continuous flow of grace in my life. Thank you for empowering me to abide in you. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. I was, um, I was in a prayer, and I've said this story before, but I was in a prayer session, well, just me and a guy, and uh, he really struggled over the, he knew that he was, get this, he knew that his mom that raised him was not his real mother. Wasn't his real mom. He knew that his dad was his dad. He felt that. But he came to me because he felt, why did she give me away? So he had rejection and abandonment in his heart. Why did she give me away? And I'm stumped. I can't figure it out. My natural mind is like, well, I guess we'll call it a day. <laughs> this prayer time is pretty much over. <laughs> then the Holy Spirit shows me a picture. Amazing picture. It's like a little movie. He shows me the egg in the womb and the sperm swimming by. And then he shows me the moment that the one sperm Penetrates the egg. He shows me that moment. And then he speaks to me. He says, that was my moment. I conceived him. If I didn't want him, I would have had him swim on by. I didn't know that was the Bible. I didn't know that. Do you know the Bible says that he's the father of all spirits? The Bible teaches that. So I told him that story. I said, hey, look, the Lord just showed me something. I want to tell you what I just saw and heard. When I explained that to him, are you ready for this? The spirit of abandonment and the spirit of rejection that was in him, the moment I told him that God conceived him because God wanted him, it left him. He was instantly delivered. Instantly. I was like, wow. This is amazing. And then I realized there's no illegitimate babies. There's only illegitimate parents. <laughs> so the verse, Psalm 
130. This is a very special verse. Psalm 139, 16. Say it with me. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. This is so magnificent. So I came to realize that the Lord planned my conception. That he planned me. There's nobody in here that was a mistake. Even if it was a very bad situation, you're here because God wanted you. He wanted you. Hallelujah. But then he sets in motion in these days that he's formed. And I'm telling you, I'm, I'm telling you, you can actually do this yourself. You can see this work out. You can get a piece of, a big piece of paper. Sometimes it only comes 17 inches long. But you can graph this thing out. You can write a line there and then put down key people, key places, and key events. And you can go back in your life and you can literally see how God was setting you up to come to him. It's phenomenal. You can actually go through that and see that. And you begin to see that the days were formed. It's phenomenal. Think about that for a minute. Let's just rejoice over that. Isn't God good? He knows how to intercept. He knows how to, he can, what, what is what I was he knows how to save to the uttermost. He, he knows how to get a hold of you. Put people around you, all that stuff. Well, Jeremiah said this is very similar thing in Jeremiah 1, 5. It says, before I formed you. Just lay, lay hold of that for a second. This feels like it's actually, is this at conception or even before that? Like, you know, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. There's healing power in those words. And then it says, before you were born, I consecrated you. Already had a, a setting aside of your life for specific works of God. Hallelujah. And I pointed you a prophet to the nations. There are people that God says, I want the testimony of your life to have impact on their life. Praise God. Paul was enlightened with the same thing. He got it. Galatians 1, 15 through 16 says, but when he who had set me apart before I was born, he got it. He got it. He got it. You and I can say this. This is how God worked. He set you apart. He knew. He says, before when... But when he who had set me apart before, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And I ran out of room, but he says, I did not consult with anybody. And he goes on, but I just want to say, look at there. There's purpose, high calling and purpose in your life as there was Paul's. And of course, to round it all off, you got Ephesians 2.10. Read this with me. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We even do big old seminars and things where you begin to see how God made you, motivational gifts, spiritual gifts tests, all these kind of things. If you get your whole temperament, everything about you is wired for specific, very, very specific things. You can, look, nobody can do you. 
Just nobody else can do you. You, only you can do you. Nobody can do you, you can do you. Nobody else can do you. And you are wired to do you under the anointing. You just got to die, die to some stuff. Okay, all right. This next verse, I, I wrote this down. Workmanship, uh, next slide. Workmanship is the Greek word poema, meaning something that is made. I guess I need to bump that over, but I, I just had to write this down. In Christ, you are transformed from a piece of work to a work of art. <laughs> you, in Christ, you're transformed from negative graffiti to poetry in motion. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, when you learn to abide in Christ and draw upon his life within you, which is your relationship with the Holy Spirit, he makes his word come alive to you and reveals passages of scripture to you that build you up, guide you, develop you, and inspire you. That build you up, guide you, develop you, and inspire you. By the way, how many of you, is there anybody in here that the Lord has ever shown you a person in the Bible that you relate to? That they say, you're kind of like this person. I see a couple of heads nodding. Just a couple. Has anybody ever received a prophetic word about a person in the Bible and say, you're going to be like this? A couple of you? This is what I want to say. The Spirit of, God, the Spirit of truth leads you into all truth. So discovering your treasures in God's word has to do with you sitting down, spending time with the Lord, and him, the Holy Spirit guiding you to passages of Scripture that not only develop you in the ways that to mature you, which we're going to get into a way that, that works, but He actually shows you who you are. Or He'll put something in you to begin to cultivate I'll tell you one, I was uh, about five years ago, I guess, whenever Heather and I went to Branson, Missouri, and we were with, um, Richard Humphreys was here a few years ago, him and his, his wife, and um, he had under, he's under Larry Titus, which is my spiritual dad, and uh, he put together this, uh, there was about 14, 16 of us that went to this uh, retreat together, apostle prophet type thing, and so um, we were there, and uh, the, uh, he had this word. That was when the Lord, that was one of the occasions where the Lord released the singing over people in a very profound way to prophetically sing over people. That was kind of kicked off in a greater way there. But the other thing was this. He said, you are like Jephthah. I think I got to go look that up. Well, Jephthah was kind of run off from his family. And rejected pretty much. So he went out on his own and he became a warrior. And then his family and clan began to be in some real hot water with some adversaries and their dad had died, and they needed somebody to rise up and lead in the warfare that they're going to face. And then they asked him, would you lead us? Verse 
That's happening in my life now. I was this broken kid. Never believed in himself. God believed in me more than me. How many of you are like that? God believed me way more than I believed in me. Started dropping these anointings in my life and giving me things to do. And I would see all these wonderful things happen. And then, you know, just like, you know, trying to... And then, and then, you know, we brought the good night. We, Heather and I brought the cleansing stream ministry to the, the whole Northeast. You think the hell was happy with that? Man, we were like, we were, he was trying to slaughter us for a long time. You know what happens when somebody's trying to kill you all the time? You grow up. I know people that they receive the miracle power of God. They're not walking with God. I'm going, how can you not? Oh my God, that just blows my mind. But what happened is, there were people that would look at me funny, like, you do all that stuff. But guess what? All that stuff is needed now. (laughs) All that stuff is needed now. And they go, would you come and help us? And you do this part. That's happening in different ways. Jephthah's coming to pass. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, there are some of you in the room that the Lord has given you some. Now, that may, that's, maybe that's kind of complicated or something, but, but there are people in the Bible that you feel uh, your heart resonates toward and you feel drawn to, or, or they're just passages that explain things that you just feel closer to God in that realm of truth. Aren't you? Are you there? Come on. Because these things come about and you grow into them. He speaks to you and you grow into them. So anyway, I got this um, idea that uh, I felt the Lord show me. Uh, this is about the special tool. This is also in the bulletin there. It says, well, would you be interested if I was giving you a special tool? And just put up this slide. This is a big, long one again. Um, this is uh, Deuteronomy 17. I'll read it off of here real quick. Uh, this is out of the New Living Translation. When the... Um, This is about the kings. When he sits on the throne as king, he must copy for himself a body of instruction on the scroll in the presence of the Levitical priest. He must always keep this copy with him and read it uh, daily as long as he lives. This way he'll learn to fear the Lord by uh, his God, uh, the Lord his God by obeying all the terms of the instructions and decrees. This regular reading will prevent him from becoming proud and acting as if he is above his fellow citizens, it will also prevent him from turning away from the, uh, these commands in the smallest way, and it will ensure that he and his descendants reign for many generations in Israel. Let's look at the first one, the next slide. The required practice, he must copy for himself this body of instruction on a scroll. Now, this is an amazing insight. To me, this is amazing. How many of you know that when you take a pencil or a pen and you write on a piece of paper, something's going on in your mind? This is what I've seen. I've seen this. I've seen this over and over. I will be reading a passage of Scripture, and I'll see, I'll see a lot of it. I can see a lot of it. But then when I write it down, I see it. I go, oh, I didn't really notice that word. Oh, that's key. So I have a journal. There's not tons and tons in it, but I'll get a quickening, and I pull out that little journal. And I'll write out that verse. And by the time I've written out that verse, I actually see what's in it. Can I encourage you to act like a king? Are you queens in the room here? And have something 
to write down the scriptures in. And it makes it easier for you to impart it into your memory. That's just a simple insight, but I found it it works phenomenally because we're too, uh, maybe a little bit much into electronic devices, I am. But there's something about having an old-fashioned little journal with a pen and writing it down. And probably, for like me, you, your penmanship will improve. Like, I wrote that word, but I don't know what it is. I could be a real good doctor. No, but you just write it. Have you guys enjoyed being here today? Come on, okay. All right, let's go to the next one. He must always keep the copy with him and read it daily as long as he lives. So the power of reading it, and this is reading it. Now, in the, in the Old Testament, uh, have you ever seen, uh, when we were over in Israel, we were at uh, the Wailing, well, they call it the Western Wall, but the Wailing Wall, we call it, they call it that. And they, you had these guys, these Hasidic Jews, they had all black on, big long beards, and they were, they were uh, going like this. And they had the Bible, and they were reading it out loud. They're going like this. That is actually a term called davening. D-A-V-E-N-I-N-G, Davening. And they're, they're actually at the wall. And what they're doing is they're, they're putting, they're reading it aloud and they're putting it inside of them. They're inscribing it upon them, their hearts. They're Davening. And it's the, the, the term, when you, in fact, that, uh, that concept is very much the concept of meditating in the Bible. You meditate, you, you say it out loud, you mumble it to yourself, you, you put it in. So this reading it aloud is how you impart it into you. Now Jesus emptied himself of the privileges of God, as it's revealed in Philippians. And then he, he becomes the living word of God. His favorite books were Deuteronomy and the Psalms, as far as, uh, I don't know, favorite books, but they were how he would actually um, quote from those books a lot. Okay? So he put them in. How did he put them in? Well, Jesus did what we do, what we're to be talking about right now. So here's the benefits, and then we'll, we'll hustle on here. I'll tell you what, I'm going to hit these really fast. Number one, he will learn the fear of the Lord, his God, by obeying all the terms of these instructions and decrees. We've, spent a, we've read the book, All of God, on the fear of the Lord. We're dealing with that. How many of you have benefited from that? Number two, this regular reading will prevent him from becoming proud and acting as if he is above his fellow citizens. We were on a Zoom call uh, praying for this next generation, and there's some older guys, and I stepped in to intercede for this, but there's some older people in the ministry that are uh, sharing their opinions and uh, how they would do things, and there's this uh, almost like a spirit of complaint that comes, and God hates that. And here is this, these guys are older and they should be carrying the presence of the Lord instead of doing that stuff. And I, it hit me. I said, you know, humility is an adult game in the kingdom of God. You got to be in a, to really be like Jesus, you got to walk in humility and not push your own. That's a frustration right there, I tell you. Because when you're not representing Jesus, who are you representing? Shoo. Number three, it will prevent him from turning away from these commands in the smallest way. When you have the word of God in you and you're about to do something stupid, the stupid bell goes off. 
ding, 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 that's stupid. That, goes, that crosses over what you know. You've been memorizing that. Don't even look at that. Don't even listen to that. Hey, get out of there. Come on. Hey, are you there? All right. Number four, it will ensure that he and his descendants will reign for many generations. There is a generational blessing on the man and woman in their home who embrace the word of God and it passes on that spirit in their home. And now I want to uh, jump into really quickly just to finish this uh, place here. In the Old Testament, I want to say this. In the Old Testament, um, uh, if you would, just lift your heads just for a moment. Now, we're going to spend an entire month on the power of the blood of Jesus power of the blood. Would you just say with me the blood, just to say it a few times. The blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb. Just say it again. The blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb. Okay, look up at me. Now look, in the Old Testament, once a year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest was required to sprinkle the blood of a bull on the mercy seat seven times. There are other passages where they go and sprinkle in different things. They sprinkle it over different, and, and this, this little piece of hyssop. In, in fact, when David says, uh, sprinkle me with hyssop, he's talking about with the blood to make me clean. So there's a consecration, a dedication of setting things apart, and they would take the blood of the bull or the sheep, whatever, and come in. Now, I, I was looking at this, and I realized that Jesus, see what's going on is that the, the, the sprinkling of the blood over a bull or a goat, whatever, would never cleanse your conscience. You can't get clean. You have to just accept it by faith that God says you're clean. But it would never do the work with the, what happens inside of us. Why does it happen inside of us that we actually are cleansed? Because Jesus is both the lamb and the high priest. And Jesus took his blood... And he went in, you know, do you remember that point where he says, don't hug me, don't touch me yet. Did you know the high priest could not be touched after he did the sacrifice until he had sprinkled the blood? You can't tell, I haven't sprinkled the blood yet. I'm going to my God and your God, my father and your father, but I got to go do the job. Because all of the things that were on the earth were a pattern of what's in heaven. All of it. And so he ascends into heaven and the sprinkling of the blood. And I was saying, Lord, you sprinkled the blood here too. And I realized the Lord was giving me revelation about this because his blood was spilled. And this is when the first time the blood was spilled, Jesus' blood was spilled. The first time, as far as uh, redemptively, was in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was uh, wrestling in prayer. He was wrestling in prayer. My will or thy will be done. And what happens is, and even, even with the angel coming and strengthening him and all that stuff, he is sweating drops of blood. Great drops of blood are dropping out on the ground. And the Lord showed me, he says, hey, every, my blood applies to every one of your bad decisions where you got out of the will of God because Jesus shed his blood praying to be in the will of God. Hallelujah. So if you've made bad decisions, blood has been spilt in your Gethsemane. Whew. And then the next time, mm, I, was when they took the rods and beat his face 
And it says in the Old Testament, he pulled his beard out and the blood was poured out of his face. God says, I've applied my blood to anything that would bring shame on your life. Anything that would cause you to feel embarrassed. I've sprinkled my blood for you. And then the next time, that's two. There's seven times. Isn't that amazing? There's seven times. The next one was when they put the crown of thorns and they pressed it into his head and the blood poured down his head. How many of you, when you listen, this is the blood is applied to every wound that you have mentally and every piercing thought that has hurt your life. Praise God. The blood is applied. And then Jesus goes to the whipping post and he's whipped. And it says, by the stripes we're healed. And everything that you've had to carry of a burden that you can't bear and every sickness that you've been under the power of, the blood was spilt for you there. Hallelujah. That was four. And then just quickly... The blood came out of his hands. The blood was applied for every single thing you've ever done wrong with those hands. Cleansed, freedom, power, life. Number six, the blood poured out of his feet and is applied to every place that you've been that was wrong. Let's go ahead and praise the Lord. Go ahead and put on. And lastly, after Jesus passed away, gave his life, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. They were going to come around and break his legs because that's what they did so that the guys trying to breathe couldn't pull back up and breathe they would die quicker and they came up and Jesus had already in six hours he had already poured out his blood and they came up with a spear and they put the spear into his side and when a person's died there's the, the, it says blood and water gushed out of his side the blood has been applied to every place where your heart has been wounded. How thorough can you get? And then Jesus says, don't touch me yet. I'm going to go ahead and take it and I'm going to put all that on the mercy seat in heaven so there's a consistent, continual let me say this about this. When you can't pray for yourself, the blood of Jesus is praying for you. The blood of Abel says vengeance, but the blood of Jesus says mercy, mercy. Lord, have mercy on Todd when he's going through those things. Have mercy. You not even know how to pray for yourself, and the blood's praying. Let's just stand together and just worship the Lord for a minute. Praise you, Jesus. Let's go ahead and praise him. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord, for applying the blood to my life. Thank you, Lord, that everything you've intended to be, every treasure of what my life is intended to become can now become it because the blood has made the way, a new and living way where I can walk in with a cleansed conscience, a freedom that Jesus has given me to be healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet in every place of my life. I praise you for the blood. Would you say it again? Thank you for the blood. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the fullness of your power. Thank you for the working of your spirit applying these things into my life. Hallelujah. Um, If today you saw something of the Lord's working for you specifically and personally, would you just go ahead and thank the Lord for it right now? Thank the Lord. I think there's a confidence that's coming up in some of your hearts, a confidence that you don't have to look at yourself the way you did look at yourself in your past because the Lord doesn't look at you like that way anymore. His blood has literally changed his perspective of you. And now it's your time to have your eyes see yourself the way he sees you according to the working of his complete, redemptive, precious blood working in your life. Let's praise the Lord again. Just praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Let me just say this. Father God, let's pray this morning. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I turn from every single thing that has uh, been a trouble to me. I'm not going to think of the things I don't have. I'm going to think of the redemptive things that I do have. I praise you, Lord, because I can control that. I can submit to you and receive the fullness of what you have provided for me. In the name of Jesus, I step out of the old man and I step into the new man in Christ Jesus, clothed with Jesus Christ. Now let's praise him. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Take somebody's hands there just real quick, and we're going to end this way. Father, in the name of Jesus, all of our families, we put them under the blood. Every family member, we put them under the blood. Every family, every excuse, every foul thing, every broken thing, every wayward thing, every confused thing, every lying thing, every work of darkness, we put them under the blood. We claim a work. We, we take the blood of the Lamb. We say we bind every work of darkness. We take the blood of the Lamb and we bind every work of darkness. And we ask, Father, for freedom and release to all of our family members and all of those around us that we work with and we know. We say, Jesus, work in them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.